1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com code LISTEN.
2: I've got a quick quiz for you. Do you put other people's needs ahead of your own? Do you feel guilty when you say no? Are you not saying what you really need and feel because you don't want to upset someone else? Or do you often feel resentful, frustrated, unappreciated, or just emotionally drained in your relationships? If you answered yes to any of these questions, today's episode is totally for you. Today, you'll learn the difference between people-pleasing and just being nice or supportive, why you people-please, and my top tips to stop people-pleasing once and for all. So stay tuned. Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number 1 Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Hi, you're here. Welcome back. I'm very happy you're back. I'm happy to be back. Love recording the podcast, as you know. Thank you. Thank you for the reviews. Oh my gosh. I was crying with a couple of them. I really appreciate it. And again, more people find us when you rate on Spotify and leave reviews. So please keep that coming. And if you're here on YouTube, please like, and subscribe. And you're watching me right now in my lovely office where I'm finally getting some new furniture And uh, the big zit I noticed on my forehead earlier. What is that about? I just had another birthday. I'm in my late 50s, for God's sakes. Like, I don't understand stalling pimples. But anyway, is it keeping me young? I don't think so. I don't see an upside. If someone knows about the upside to aging, let me know. I don't feel any wiser, I'll tell you that much. So, <laughs> I'd rather have my boobs where they're supposed to be than be wiser. I'll tell you that. How's that? Yeah, yeah. I said it. I said it. Yeah, we're starting off. I'm, 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 I'm a little randy today, huh? I'm a little, I'm a little spicy today. <laughs> so, I'm really excited about today's topic. So many, so, so many of you have written in asking different ways. You know, asking this in different ways. And so, I am gonna give you. It's all coming at you right now. So let's get ready. So. First things first, are you a people pleaser? Are you in the right place? I asked those little questions to begin, but let's get let's get granular as I like to do. There are many signs of people pleasing, but at the end of the day, they really all add up to you being overly concerned with keeping other people happy with you. That that's really what it boils down to. It, it's earning someone else's approval. AKA they like you, and that's your top priority and the way you maintain your relationships. You do this by doing too much for others, uh, saying yes when you wanna say no, and really avoiding any potential conflict and keeping the peace every chance you get. So sometimes people pleasers show up as avoiders, you know, people who just avoid things. Uh, but that's also it's it's really intimately connected. Uh, and my <laughs> the my favorite part, whenever I'm talking about people pleasing with clients or anyone else or doing a talk somewhere, is that I hear, well, maybe I'm just nice, Abby you know, I, I'm just a nice person. Well, let's talk about the difference between being a nice person and being a people pleaser. Because people pleasers, you know, are often seen in a good light. They're they're helpful, agreeable, nice. Uh, they're quite attuned to how other people are feeling <clears throat> and really are likely thought of as a great friend or a great partner. And I'm not saying, you know, it's wonderful to be kind, and I hope you continue to do that. I, I'm kind. I'm a I'm a nice person in the world, but you have to be kind to yourself first. <laughs> yeah, ho, ho, I caught you. And that's where people pleasers lose their way. They, and I say this with so much love, but you know, if you're a people pleaser, you don't see yourself as people. You're pleasing people. But, but your people, why aren't you in the list? You're not even on the list or you're last on the list. You should be first on the list. And again, I know you're hearing this going, well, that's narcissism, Abby. No, 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 we're, we're gonna break this down. Don't get defensive. I love you, I love you. Don't get defensive. We're, I, you know, don't get it twisted. We're gonna, we're gonna get down with this right now. Your people, you, you're a person and you deserve pleasing also. And when you don't realize that, that's where we end up with a lot of self-neglect and negative feelings. And again, when you're putting yourself last on that list, you're not even on the list. That's what I'm talking about. You can we'll get more granular in a second, but I I want if you're noticing yourself feeling at all defensive right now, if you're noticing yourself saying no, Abby, or anything, please remember what do I say? Listen, like you're wrong. Just just be open. Let's let's it's me and you. I love you. I'm not. We're not trying to label you in ways that you don't deserve or something, I'm trying to help. And to help, I need you to have an open mind and then decide, does this fit or not, okay? So open mind first. So, and okay, so feelings are the way you can tell if you're being a people pleaser or just, you know, an altruistic, kind, lovely person. The main thoughts and feelings associated with people pleasing are, let's go over those. Let's talk. Oh my God, I've got a million of them. I'm, I'm going to try to <laughs> distill it in my head here. We got low self-esteem. Controlling behavior. That's a lot of people pleasing stuff. you being very controlling. Anxiety. I really probably should have said that first. Being this kind of anxiety, you're having these feelings of anxiety. Uh, anger. Frustration, resentment, feeling unappreciated, uh, loneliness. Uh, people pleasers often feel really lonely deep down because let's face it, they've been hiding their true self, their real feelings and preferences. So they ultimately don't think anyone really knows them. And that results in feeling lonely, even when you're surrounded by people and you've got people everywhere. Now, the main thoughts and feelings associated with being a kind, altruistic, supportive person are different. Those feelings, you feel energized, not enervated in your relationships. Okay? So you feel energized, not drained in your relationships. Your actions come from feeling inspiration, not negative motivation. So you're taking actions, not to, you know, from this negative place, uh, of, uh, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to rock the boat. They're not going to like me. I want to avoid an argument that is all negative motivation, but instead you take actions with people from inspiration, from feelings of love and compassion. And, um, that's a different thing when we're feeling supportive. And here's, I think probably the biggest thing you feel mutual loving support from these people mutual. It feels like you give, they give. It's a big giving fest and you really feel it both ways. Again, from a love place, not a fear place. You're feeling there's a lot of thoughtfulness, caring and kindness, enthusiasm, feelings of empathy, not sympathy. I talk about that in the episode I did on empathy. Just go search on the website for empathy. If you want to really know the difference between those two, I'm not going to spend a long time now. But when we feel sympathy for someone, we feel sorry for them, we're worried, oh, mm, poor, mm, uh, we end up doing for them. When we feel empathy, we don't have to do anything. We're just connecting with the feeling, not with with, uh, action. When we take action a lot, it is to make someone feel a certain way. That's what we're trying to do. It's really manipulation. I say with love. I say with love. Calm down. You're like, I'm not a manipulator. We're we're all manipulators to some degree. Uh and you know, there's healthy a healthy space on that continuum and there's very unhealthy spaces. So empathy is great. Sympathy not so much. Again, unless someone just died, you know, that's a great time to have sympathy and go into action mode and, you know, do for other people if if uh you know, I have a best friend who ends up in the hospital or I have uh, someone I know whose parent died or something. Yeah. Like there's a lot of sympathy there. So you want to do act, get into action, do things that's very different. And that should be rare. Sympathy should be a rare emotion you have. You don't have people dying every second around you. You don't have people in the hospital every second around you, or, or you need to take a, you need to check out where you're at here. So, but when you feel like there's always an emergency, that that's not that's that's not real that you're that's getting created. I know it seems real, I know, I know. But it's not and you need to you need to check your life there a little bit. But we're we're not going to go down that road right now. Um what are other symptoms of or characteristics I should say of true altruism, true just being supportive kind person? would be, oh, honesty. Honesty about what you want, what you prefer, your preferences, and your feelings. Yeah. There's a book I read, uh, Disease to Please, uh, 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 by Harriet Breaker. I hope I said her name right. It's like B-R-A-I-K-E-R. And she talked about people pleasing being in an uncontrollable need for the elusive approval of others. And I think that's just like a perfect, you know, little way to wrap it up in a bow. And she compared it to an addiction. I'm not, I I think I would almost go there. You know, so people pleasing is really a thing. And I also talked about people pleasing, um, that it might be a trauma response. And I will link to that in the show notes. And I have to write that down right now because I'm going to forget. Um, (laughs) I'm writing, I'm writing. I'll link to that for sure in the on the show notes page which is whenever I say show notes I'm talking about when you come to the my website you go you click on a podcast and you go down there's a page there for every episode of the podcast and in that I have all the links and things I also under relationship tips and tools write up an entire article about this, this whatever I'm talking about like today I'll take all these notes and I'll put it into an actual Like a blog post with all the links, and there's videos, and there's all kinds of things in there. There's actually more in there than uh, on the podcast show notes page. And if you ever were wanting to take notes from things I said, you could always go over there and just copy and paste because everything is written there. I know, kind of cool, right? How much do I love you? Let's say it right now. Abby loves me. Just say it out loud wherever you are. Abby loves me because I do. Okay. (laughs) So there's help everywhere, but I will people pleasing can be a trauma response and i did an entire episode on that which you should absolutely be listening to also um if you haven't yet okay so let's talk about causes of people pleasing all right so so why do people people please why why are why might you be a people pleaser well so and i i want to say always in anything i do or say People have, we, we all have very complex issues. There is nothing, you know, my clients always want like the one reason. <laughs> what What's the one reason I, I drink too much, Abby? What's the one reason I, you know, can't seem to find a, a partner and, or be faithful or whatever? It, there's not one reason. We are m- complex people, individuals. We have multifaceted issues and problems, and people-pleasing is no different. And I, but I do find that it generally stems from two main reasons, that people-pleasing generally stems from two main reasons. The first is, you guessed it, your childhood. Most of, I think, you know, what I've seen again in my almost 40 years of of working with people is that most of your people-pleasing behavior started when you were a kid, maybe a teenager, for a variety of possible reasons. Um, You learn not to put yourself or your own needs first and to value what others think of you more than how you think of you. You learn that at some point, what someone else is feeling or thinking is more important than what I'm feeling or thinking. And when we feel this way, we need other people in a very unhealthy way. So we don't wanna disappoint them uh, or upset them because we're afraid that we're gonna be rejected or abandoned. And this, of course, results in, you, you know, you don't value yourself or your own needs and wants, or maybe you don't even know what they are. And that gives rise to the fabulous low self-esteem, insecurity, I know. And when our, our, when our self-esteem is in the crapper and we're insecure, we become perfectionists, we become control enthusiasts, as I like to say. Conflict avoiders and of course people pleasers. So again, there are many reasons from your childhood You might have seen your one of your parents being a people pleaser You might have seen that when you weren't a people pleaser Maybe, you know, you had a parent who was a little more narcissistic or something and when you weren't a people pleaser Uh, they got very upset with you. They withheld love or something like that There's a lot of reasons why from your childhood and your environment Uh, that you put that together. Sometimes it's, um, I had a, I've worked with a lot of professional athletes who in their athletics became real people pleasers. You know, they wanted to please a coach. They wanted to, you know, make everybody happy with them. Um, I've had actors and actresses too in this uh, situation, you know, like on a professional level, like worried that their whole career would be taken away if they weren't a people pleaser. So, and obviously this can get you know, result in you being taken advantage of and all kinds of really icky, icky things. So childhood, teenagehood, young adulthood, maybe <clears throat> all can be part of why you're a people pleaser. The second big reason, and I'm gonna take a sip of tea so we can really get into it. Hold on, Are you, why don't you take a sip too? Do you have some water there? Have a little sip of water. Oh my God, so good. Earl Grey, That's how. I, that's what I like. I like a little Earl Grey with, uh, milk and sugar. I'm old school. I think I'm British, apparently. Um, I'm not, but to all my Brits out there, that's how I drink it. Um, okay. That's enough about my tea. I hope you've had some water. All right. Let's get to reason. Number two underlying mental health issues. So people pleasing can also be due to an, some sort of underlying mental health issue. Anxiety is probably the biggest player here for obvious reasons, right? You're anxious. You've got clinical anxiety of some level, and uh, you know when I say clinical, I mean diagnosable. You know, everyone's a little anxious. Everyone has a little bit of anxiety, but you might be an over, you know, have a real clinical, like need medication, probably kind of anxiety, or you have to work really hard at, at, you know, keeping it in check, and. That of course, you're anxious all the time about what other people are feeling, what are they thinking, what are they going to say, all that. You know, when you're anxious, you're going to you're going to spin and you're going to worry more. And you know, in just in general, and if that anxiety centers around what other people think, you're going to be bending over backwards to please. That's that's what you're going to be doing. Now, another mental health issue that isn't talked about as much and is certainly more rare, but is, I certainly run across people with this, and it might be worthy of note to you if you fall in this category to listen to this. Uh, There's something called dependent personality disorder. Now, most people are familiar with mood disorders, right? Mood disorders are depression, bipolar, anxiety, that's a mood disorder. But fewer people, of course, outside, you know, me, psychologists, mental health professionals, whatever, understand personality disorders. And at their heart, I say this well, at their heart, personality disorders are a deeply ingrained set of tendencies and, and, and fixed ways of thinking and acting. That's a good way to say that there. So they are a combination of many underlying personality traits, some of which were inherited at birth and then formed by the environment, right? That kind of makes sense, right? So you come into the world a certain way. You do, you have some things and then your environment, you know, and all, again, we're so complex and multifaceted, all that kind of comes together and, you know, creates that perfect storm of you.
1: Um...
2: While anxiety, while, you know, mood disorders can be treated with medications because we're talking about uh, something malfunctioning in the brain in a specific way around neurotransmitters, often personality disorders uh, cannot be treated with medications. And that's one of the big differences between them. And I'll tell you that uh, as health, uh, mental health professionals, we we sometimes talk about to our clients about personality disorders and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't diagnose to them um, for a variety of reasons. Actually, I'm not going to even go down that road right now, but uh we we just sort of know and we're kind of looking at that and we're adjusting our treatment around that. So there are about 10 personality disorders and they fall into three what we call clusters. And so lots of people know about, you know, narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorders, right? And these, by the way, are considered cluster B because there's, so there's A, B, and C. There's three clusters, A, B, and C. So those are cluster B. So sometimes as, um, and sometimes they can look like each other, borderline can look like narcissism, you know? And so in, as mental health people, you know, when we're talking to each other, we might be like, oh, that person's got some cluster B stuff, <laughs> you know, in there. But fewer people, again, mental health professionals know, but fewer regular people know about the cluster C personality disorders, which center around this anxious and fearful patterns of thinking and relating to other people. And cluster C includes avoidant personality disorder, obsessive personality disorder, and dependent personality disorder, and which is basically a tendency to become overly reliant on other people and an overriding fear of losing relationships, okay? And so let me just say this, you should never diagnose yourself. You should never diagnose other people. I cannot diagnose you from afar. That is not cool and not okay. Um, That is not what we do. We don't, you know, if I'm talking to a client, I'm not diagnosing their grandparent, you know, with something. I might make some guesses or I might teach them about this thing and say to them like, hey, I can't diagnose your mom. (laughs) And I can say that they're having some of this stuff. So let's talk about them from this perspective, maybe a little bit, you know, and obviously this is only after I've really known someone a long time and they've been talking about maybe their mom for a long time or their dad or their brother, their friend or their partner for a while. And I can start to really get a feel Um, and again, we do it not so that they can go home and go, you're this, you know, but more so that in their own, a lot of times when you've been dealing with someone and you've tried all the tools I've given you and you're like, Abby, I've tried every damn tool you give me and it does not work. So I will say one of the reasons could be that the other person has some sort of personality thing going on, undiagnosed, and that's why things aren't quite hitting So, for example, a lot of what I talk about, if someone was a true, truly had narcissistic personality disorder, uh, you know, many of the tools I give you, they're not going to work for that person, which is why I did separate podcast episodes on gaslighting and narcissistic personality disorder, because, you know, those are separate things and separate ways to deal. But I also know that people tend to misdiagnose others quite a bit, you know, lay people. I know it seems like you could look up a list of symptoms and diagnose other people, But we have something that we call differential diagnosis, meaning that a lot of diagnoses look the same and medical doctors have the same issue. When you're looking at something, it could be a lot of things. That's why people get misdiagnosed medically also all the time. It's hard to feather out. So for example, if I have a client who's, you know, telling me all these symptoms that they have and all these things they have, but they're swearing that they don't um, drink uh i could be diagnosing something right i could be thinking that they have some you know dep- severe depression right and they might but when if i find out that they're also drinking to blackout daily well guess what people that changes the diagnosis that changes what we're treating that changes how we're treating that changes how we approach a situation So please, please do not use Google as your ways to diagnose. Don't use me as your ways to diagnose. It, It is not your job. Unless you are a mental health professional, then you're allowed to do that a little bit. Although I would even say in your personal relationships, have some care. So... Please, you know, listen to what I'm saying. It's not as easy as it seems uh, to just look at a list of symptoms and go, "That person's a narcissist." That person has, you know, dependent personality disorder. Or right now, to be thinking, sitting here, going, "Oh my God, I have dependent personality disorder." If you really think that, I, you know, I would really, really encourage you strongly to start working with a mental health professional in some capacity so that you could have a real diagnosis, have them diagnose you. Just like if you you know, had a big pain in your side, yeah, it's okay to Google for a minute and see what the pain could be, but if it continues, guess what? You should go to a regular medical doctor and have it diagnosed. It's no different with mental health. I know we tend to poo-poo mental health and it's not a big deal and it's a soft science and all that kind of bullshit and it's bullshit. It is not a soft science. It's a very hard science these days. And just like the same thing with medical doctors, not everything is very cut and dry. You might think of that as a hard science, but guess what? They do a lot of guessing. Guess what? Probably 50% of the medications you take are used off-label, meaning that what they were created for is not what they're used for. That happens all the time. So I'm just saying, like we all have that. Ooh, did I get on a soapbox or what? (gasps) I have feelings. I have feelings about this and that's okay. I feel good about it. Okay. So, I do want to say I want so as much as all the diagnoses can happen and looking at your childhood and all that, I want you to look forward not back. When I when I work with clients there's often this kind of unrelenting quest to figure out why they are the way they are, you know, where did this come from, Abby? Why do I act this way? And while it's absolutely positively useful to take a peek back to your past and I do a, you know, I do a history with every client I work with, of course, It is very valuable to look at your past to better understand why you do what you do. I have also found that spending too much time looking backwards and trying to figure out your why means you're not dealing with your now. (laughs) I think people use it to avoid, you know, your past is obviously important. And again, something I discuss often on the podcast, I talk about your childhood friggin' ad nauseum, Right. But I find, again, that many people use it as a stalling tactic. They keep trying to figure out their past because they think there's some magic bullet, there's some perfect reason they are the way they are, and if I just figure that out, I I can more easily change my present, and that's it. And I will tell you that in my over- three decades, almost four decades now of doing this work, I can tell you that there's no one reason you are the way you are. There is no magic bullet. There's no final aha moment that makes everything clear and easy. Okay. It's not there. So yeah, take some time to get real about your past, but then I would encourage you to spend less time in the past and more time Understanding yourself now and figuring out what you need to do in the present to make changes. And this is the same if you are in a a, a part, you know, if you're in a, rela- a romantic relationship with someone or actually any kind of relationship with someone and you're really focused on the past and you did this thing and I'm upset about this thing. At some point, it's just about how they act towards you now. What is consistent now? And that is where I want you to focus on, Right. Okay. So look at me. I got feelings again. That's right. I'm passionate today. I told you I was saucy. I told you I was saucy coming in. And I am. So this is, you know, a nice natural segue into some tips for changing people pleasing behavior. Right? Aren't we there? I think we're there. We're here. So let so let's get to it. So these are my top tips to stop people pleasing behavior. I have a few. You know me, I have a few. I think there's five. Maybe four. Four or five. Something like that. Tip number 1. Tip number 1. You got to have clear and consistent boundaries. Setting boundaries, holding them, that's the key to true emotional closeness and intimacy. When you don't set or keep a boundary, you end up feeling all those fear-based emotions, you know, resentment, helplessness, hopelessness, rage, frustration, exhaustion. Yeah, it's all from your shitty boundaries. You can't build a healthy relationship on those feelings. I know. Also, when you don't hold a boundary, you're being fake, 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 fake. I say with love, you're not showing the other person the true you. When you don't say what you really need, when you really feel, you're not speaking your truth and you end up feeling disconnected. Of course you do and isolated. How is this helping any of your relationships? By not saying what you really want or how you truly feel, you're actually disconnecting from yourself and from everybody around you. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've been writing this book on boundaries, boundaries made easy, where I'm just going to break down boundaries and how to do them and how to be effective and all the things. And that'll be where right now our published date looks like, uh, early to 2023. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's been time for a while for me to have a new book out. And, uh, so that'll be available later. And I'm, also planning to start, you know, a membership site in 2023, where I'm going to walk you through the steps I outline in that book. Um, likely that book will be free if you join, but there'll be more about the membership later. But I'm really excited about that. I me, mean, I'll talk more about that next week um, in the podcast. But so uh, I'm going to have a membership called Love Made Easy. I'm going to hope you join me there. And you'll, you're going to get more of me personally in there. Um, okay. But in the meantime, I've got some excellent podcast episodes to learn more specifics (laughs) more specifics, more specifics on boundaries. So I'm, again, I'm not going to go into that here. Uh, episode 30 boundaries, how to make them and how to hold them. Episode 164, how to overcome guilt and regret when setting boundaries, uh, Loving detachment, I did one on that. I mean, I I got me some boundaries, okay? So th- it's already out there a bit. Um, so if you need to, go back and look at those. And again, I'll always link to them on the show notes page. All right, tip number two, say I don't instead of I can't, okay? Did I say that right? Yes, say I don't instead of I can't. Studies have shown that saying I don't instead of I can't will help you keep your boundaries with more ease and less struggle. I know, isn't that great? We have research on it. And obviously I always link to the research on the show notes page if you want that, or in the blog post under the relationship tips and tools. So when you tell someone, and let me just explain this a minute here. When you tell someone you can't do something, they generally push back. And then you start listing the reasons why you can't, and then they push back harder. (laughs) It makes it really tough to keep your boundaries this way. You're doing this the hardest way. So for example, let's say, um, let me think of a good one here. Let, let's say your mom asks you to come by on Sunday for dinner, okay, but you really don't want to. <laughs> so you say, well, oh, I can't come over, mom. And then she says, well, well, why not, right? So you said, I can't. So she's like, well, why not? And you scramble to come up with reasons and you say something like you don't want to say because you're driving me crazy And I can't stand you this week and i'm just exhausted and you know, I want to sit home and drink all day You know, that's not what you feel like you can say because you're not being honest. So you say well I've got a lot to do around the house And you give a reason and she and she says well, it's only tuesday now So can't you plan your week to have everything done before sunday? she's so helpful (laughs) Then you jump in with something else. You're like, oh crap, you're scrambling now, right? You're, you are need another reason. You're like, well, uh, the kids have to nap in the afternoon and I don't want to disrupt that. And she is right there. She's like, well, that's no problem. We've got beds set up for them in the guest room. You know, I love my grandbabies. And then, you know, you run out of excuses and you end up going over there on Sunday, but you feel resentful and angry about it. I know. Yeah, you're all, I know. No, I'm not in your house. No, I do not have cameras set up in your home. I just, this is common. So instead, if you can come up with an, I don't statement, it's going to really change the game. So it can be, um, you know what, mom, I don't make plans anymore on Sundays. Uh, you know what, mom, I don't overschedule anymore. Schedule's full. I, I, once it's full, I don't put another thing in saying I don't sets a clear boundary and it gives, there's no wiggle room there. I don't do this. This is who I am now and I don't this. It's in the same way that if someone said, you know, I don't know, if you're at a birthday party and you're you're trying to eat better and there's a big chocolate cake and you say, like, oh, I can't have cake. First of all, it feels shitty. It's like, uh, what are you? Like, I can't? Of course you can. You can. Instead of saying, you know what? I don't, uh, I don't eat cake in the middle of the afternoon anymore. Um, I don't, you know, what? I don't have, I don't have sweets, uh, uh, during the week. I only have it once a week on Friday. I don't know. I don't, you change it from, I can't, which feels weak and I don't know. And maybe I could To I just don't, this is not the person I am. I don't do these things. Uh, when people ask me, you know, donate money, I say, oh, I, I don't, I don't donate on the fly. Um, I, I have, I set up my giving for the year and that's it. I don't, I don't donate in between, you know, boom, done. Like you just, it's much easier. And again, the research backs me up. So, you know, I love that. You know, I love and the research is there. Well, actually that's where I get it from. So let's be real. Okay. Tip number three, break the habit of saying yes by hitting a pause button. Okay. Cause you know, we do, we say yes very automatically and people pleasing comes from fear-based emotions and thoughts, right? I already said this. So the wanting to be liked, not wanting to disappoint, uh, somebody else wanting to feel included or validated—it comes from wanting and and grasping. It, it's a, a fear-based mind. So the answer to this issue is to pause and check in with yourself often. You don't, you do not need to give an immediate re- answer to a request. You don't have to do it. In fact, you might want to make it your default to always say, "Let me get back to you." or I'll let you know tomorrow, or on Monday, or next week. There was a study a few years ago at Columbia University uh, that would show that pausing, get this, pausing for just 50 to 100 milliseconds, milliseconds, is enough to help you make better decisions. I like that, I know. That incredibly short short pause is enough to help your brain focus on what's being asked and stop that automatic yes. So when your friend asks you to lunch on Saturday, say you'll get back to them. Then check in with yourself about having that lunch. Ask yourself, how am I feeling about that right now? What else do I have going on on Saturday? Maybe you're going to have a big day. Maybe at that point you'll remember that you Friday, you're going to be uh, crazy at work, you know, finishing up this huge whatever. And that Saturday, you're just going to want to like curl up on the couch and do nothing. You know, what thoughts are you having about why you want to go to lunch? Is this a good friend? Is this just an acquaintance? Is this somebody you're trying to please? Is this someone you don't want mad at you? Do you feel uh, energized and excited about having lunch with this friend? Or do you feel, again, enervated or drained thinking about listening to this friend complain about her partner for two hours? Do you see where I'm going here? Do you, are, you, are, you, are you cluing in? And I know you're going, oh, but that's a good friend, Abby. I, I have to do it. You know, you have to listen. No, you don't. You don't have to listen to anybody bitch and moan for two hours. I'll tell you that right now. And if it's going to drain you and make you resentful, that's you not being a good friend. You're not being honest. And so you might, again, boundaries, back to tip number one. You might have the lunch because you do love this person you wanna be there, but you might say something first, like, okay, I say this. I know you're going through a lot in your relationship. I don't wanna spend the whole lunch on that. I want us to talk about other things. I want us to really, I want you to feel inspired when you leave and not, you know, it's not helping your friend to just bitch and moan for two hours. They're gonna feel like crap when they leave. That's how we all feel when we've. it's all we've ever done. And you can say, I wanna really listen. Like, let's just set a timer, like 15 minutes, go. Get it all out. <laughs> and then after that, you know, let's problem solve and let's, or let's talk about other things besides this relationship or whatever. And if, you know, if we get backslid back into that, I'll check you and, you know, I'll keep you really feeling good. I want us to both leave lunch feeling energized, like from our friendship and from being there for each other. Do you know, there's a whole other way to do this. <laughs> in general, when you stop to check in with yourself, I want you to notice again if you feel uplifted, energized, interested, enthusiastic by whatever's being asked or said or do you feel drained and annoyed? That's where I want you to be. And what you know, what did I say earlier, when you're people-pleasing, you won't feel good about it. You'll feel Emotionally or physically drained or anxious or overwhelmed or resentful or stressed or annoyed or frustrated or even depressed, helpless, hopeless. <laughs> do you see where I'm going? Yeah. So your feelings are such a great way to be checking in. When it's something you generally want to do, you feel lit up in some way. Again, you're happy, excited, enthusiastic, peaceful, positively anticipatory. Your feelings are your best indication if this is people pleasing or healthy. That's your best way to know. All right, tip number four to stop people-pleasing is to work on your friggin' self-esteem. People-pleasing is all about relying on validation from other people. It's about feeling good only when someone else feels good about us. And this all adds up to your confidence and self-esteem being in someone else's hands or in some external situation or event. And to be happy and stop people-pleasing, you need to rely on internal validation, not external. You want to work on things that make you feel good about yourself. If you feel good, you don't need others to make you feel good. You're already there. You're already on top of the mountain. One of my personal gurus, uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, and who I named my son after, uh, he wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, which changed my life. That was one of the first books I read that changed my life. Uh anyway, and he said, uh, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Don't panic. Okay. (laughs) He he, there's a great quote he has. He said, Low self-esteem is like driving through life with your handbrake on in your car. Yeah. Such a good line. So, and I don't even know if we have handbrakes anymore now that I think about it. This book was written, I think, in the fifties. So uh (laughs) we used to have handbrakes in cars. Do we have those anymore? Because I know my car, it's on the floor now. So anyway. That's kind of funny. It's dating itself. If you have a handbrake, raise your hand. All right. Uh, but you get the idea, right? Self-esteem and self-confidence, are they're really connected. Because when you like who you are, your self-esteem goes up, and this makes you more confident. When you're confident in different parts of your life, you improve your overall self-esteem. I'm sure that makes sense. And since they feed one another, you really want to work on both at the same time. So basically, the more you can change your negative self-talk and the more you focus on areas where you're, where you're confident and believe in yourself, the higher both your self-confidence and self-esteem are going to be, right? And, and what have I done? Did I devote an entire episode to this already? Episode number 82, eight ways to build your confidence and self-esteem with wonderful tips to help you build your self-esteem so you can get better at stopping people pleasing? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, Abby loves you. Who loves me? Abby loves me. Let's all say it together. Abby loves me. So give a listen. Go go listen to that one. If you want to work on self-esteem. And obviously there's a million books out there too, but go do that. I, You know, I read all the books, I think, so you don't have to read all the books. And then I sort of give them to you in this, you know, kind of distilled manner. So, uh, but it's up to you. Read the book, don't do your thing. And those are my tips. I think that's enough tips. Isn't that a lot of good tips? I think you had a lot of good tips. So we're gonna end there. That is it for this week. If you haven't checked out my book yet, it's definitely time. Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. Amazon number one bestseller, yes! For a reason, no, I'm really proud of that book. Um, And if you're looking for something free to change your life, you know, download my free meditation starter kit or the free mindfulness starter kit. There's lots of good things here. So, and let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear them about have my membership coming in early 2023. What would you like to see in there? I would love to hear abby at abbymedcalf.com or go to the Let's Connect page on my website. Let me know what would thrill you to have in a membership. like, what, you know, why would you join? Uh, Cause it's, I'm doing it for you. So what would be the things that you would love to have in there? Okay, that's it. We're done. You did it. We've got another episode. In the can, so exciting. I think this is 212. I love you. I'm feeling that right now. I adore you. I have faith in you. If this has been a struggle for you for a while, the people pleasing, it was definitely in my life and I have made major, major shifts in that. And again, I, I do things that work for my clients and that come from the research. That I'm not some perfect person who, oh, Abby's just the best. I'm not. I'm first of all, I still people please sometimes. We all do. It's not like you get somewhere and you're suddenly like above it all. It doesn't work that way. But I'm way different than I used to be. And hence I feel much better than I used to feel. And Again, I, I I take what works and then I, then I apply it to my life. And that's why I can give personal examples of things, but I do not base anything I tell you on what works just for me and in some little bubble. I It's always after I've read the research, worked with clients on it over a long period of time and really distilled down what really, really works. And then I go, hey, let me apply this to my own life. And I do, or during that process, I'm applying things to me too. And I'm seeing what works and what doesn't. And I'm really putting that together with what works for clients. And I have clients from all over the world. It's so all different ethnicities, races, all the things. And I really find, obviously there's things that might not work for you because we, we all are snowflakes in our little way. We're all individual in our little way, but definitely works with the vast majority of people I've worked with. And so uh, I think it can work for you too. I really do. I adore you. Have an amazing week, and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you, and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just wanna say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you, anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I wanna say is if you like the podcast, you're gonna go crazy, crazy for my book. my book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymedcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you
0: soon.